0: Welcome to the Light like Grey Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny
1: Buckler.
2: I'm Chris Heine.
0: And this week, we visited the North Star Tarot Conference and wanted to bring back some wisdom that we got from all of the wise sages there. Yes. <laughs> um, it was a, a two and a half day weekend workshop. All the masters and some new people uh, came from far and wide from all over the Midwest to come to uh, Egan, Minnesota to have a meeting of the minds and so as you know uh jenny and i and maybe a little bit of chris have had some experience in um tarot and Mm -hmm. we i think what two years ago already it was
1: yeah yep in 2012
0: 2012 we built a light gray tarot deck with 78 great artists and had a lot of time to think about the meaning and symbolism and All sorts of things that come from sort of these intuitive readings that come with it. And so, as you guys also might have known, every now and again we offer uh, some free workshops where people can come and learn how to read and see what it's all about, stuff like that. But it's really interesting getting in a room full of people who do this for a living, number one, and then number two, have kind of a perspective on like the mythology behind it, uh, some of the metaphors that come up in the cards, and even some history from way back when why the cards are why they are and why we read them the way they are. But a lot of the workshop that we're going to talk about today, a lot of the tarot conference had to do with overcoming the same fears that many of us do as artists, which I think was really interesting. Jenny and I had a big, long conversation about it, and we thought we'd bring some of this up. So before we do that, let's give you an update what's happening here at Light Gray Art Lab. You may have noticed that one of our four fantastic people is not with us. This evening, this morning, I don't know, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, Chris just had a wonderful Skype board game time with Francesca Butchko, who is our fourth, fourth person. Yep. Because uh, now she lives far away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you didn't catch that last week, we had a um, podcast kind of farewell to Francesca, but not for long because as soon as she gets herself set up, she'll be joining us for conversations again. So mm-hmm. besides that, we actually have some things coming up that you guys should be aware of. The very first thing that's coming up, I'll leave it to Jenny to tell you. Sure.
1: So we have the Light Grade Game Night coming up this next Thursday night, February 5th. Uh, So it is on a Thursday. It's going to be on Thursdays from now on since Chris is a teacher at MCAD. Woo-woo! (laughs) Woo-woo! So Thursday night from 6.30 to 9.30. I believe this week's theme is building.
2: Yep, it's building, and we're going to be playing all sorts of games where you're building buildings empires train lines all sorts of stuff some of the games that i'm looking forward to breaking out is um castles of mad king ludwig that which good lindsey has played
0: i think i might have got that one for you maybe
2: yep you got it for me for christmas and it's a wonderful game great for everyone really quick and easy to pick up we're also going to be playing machi Koro. very cute also from lindsey
0: oh look at how good i am about <laughs> <laughs> picking good games
2: Oh, uh, Yeah. And then in addition to that, we'll also be playing things like trains, which is about building trains across the Japanese landscape. We're going to be playing Castles of Burgundy, maybe, um, Seven Wonders, anything that has building in any way, shape, or form. Maybe we will play who knows what.
0: Who you knows?
2: You could. Really, yeah. It's about play building tr- routes. That's the only routes.
0: Game I know. So <laughs> That's a good game.
2: Building routes. Building routes. Routes? Yep. I don't know I say, what I, I say routes.
0: I say routes. I don't know anymore. I say routes. I don't know how English works. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would have said root.
2: That's fine. I think.
1: Building a singular root.
0: A root. The root of evil, Chris.
2: Maybe that will be a future game night.
0: Maybe that will be a future talk on the podcast. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to build all the things on game night.
1: Yes, so that's coming up. And then the next thing that you guys should really mark your calendars for, we'll have several events from now until then, but just put on your calendar March 20th is our next big opening reception. It's for Boss Rush, which is a fantastic collection of 115 artists' work. Um, Each one of them is celebrating their biggest, baddest bosses and bad guys and battles <laughs> <laughs> all the all the like villains from video games. Um so they're celebrating those in large format prints. And then we are also going to be moving them over to GlitchCon, which is the very next weekend. So I believe the tickets are currently on sale if you want to be a part of GlitchCon. Um it's also a three day intense convention of lectures from all sorts of gaming experts from game informer to um I don't know Tell us, Chris.
2: <laughs> I don't have the lecturers. Oh, okay. But they're people okay. who make video games. They're journalists. They are all sorts of different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So it's a very exciting convention, and it's a good chance if you are ever interested in making video games, seeing how it's done, talking to people who are sort of on the interior side of things. Um, Also, just meet other people who love playing games. So I know there's a Netrunner tournament that you're pretty excited about. Ooh, Chris. Light Gray Art Lab is also teaching a lovely lecture on (laughs) how to build platformer games, which will be very fun. And then that night, Saturday night on uh, the 28th, we will be showcasing work and selected like special juried pieces from Boss Rush. So, it'll be really exciting. So, if you guys are in the area and interested in going, tickets are now on sale and we'll put a link up to to the to the Glitchcom website. So,
0: yep, that'll be on the blog for anybody that's interested in finding out more information about that. So, that leads us to our major conversation. Yep. So, so major. So major.
2: Uh, a speaking of to major. major speaking, <laughs>
1: speaking of major. So something that I'll just jump right in and say this right ahead. But So we found out today that every year there is a major arcana, which is like the 22-card suite that is supposed to be the sort of big, overarching uh, concepts of where you are in life. Every year is assigned to a major arcana. So this year is the year of strength. So that sort of prompted a lot of the conversations and lecture topics that we'll talk about.
0: Yep. It, it's interesting. We walked in um, late because <laughs> I have a tendency to be maybe sometimes five minutes late, sometimes an hour late. Jenny knows this from past experience. <laughs> but we walked in late. And we sat down. Um, and over the last several days um, after getting in there and kind of figuring out how, how things work and what things do, uh, we have found how similar the, the idea of strength as like a creative person is to having strength as a tarot reader or having strength as somebody who is in a part of like a, a tiny, very specific circle or very maybe possibly misunderstood circle of people that have certain interests. And um, I think across the board, it's a topic that we wanted to discuss maybe first mm-hmm. um, in our big, big thought process here. So, one thing that was really interesting uh, about maybe the first day uh, of the of the tarot card conference is we heard from a lot of people that there are actually a lot of things that people are fearful of, not only about reading tarot but about kind of you know exposing themselves a little bit when they read or you know things like that and to give you guys a little bit of background of. And I'll speak for myself, and then maybe you guys can yeah, sort sure. of chime in. So, um, first time I ever picked up a tarot deck was in high school. I think I got the the Rider Waite deck, and it's it's probably the one that most people have seen. It's got a lot of yellows and oranges, and you know, grays and blues and stuff like that, and sort of cryptic, you know, sort of the classic look. And I didn't really know. What I was doing with it, I would refer to the book every single day, and I wanted so badly to pull it out and know what I was doing. And and I would have friends be like, "Oh, I'll read my tarot cards," and I would, but I would, of course, like every time I'd flip a card over, I would go to the tiny little book that I still have it. It's like a little shred. It looks like a dirty Kleenex because it's <laughs> it's like a small, like fluffy looking gross thing, and. I would just read the string of strange words that was in the back and then kind of look at the person that I was sitting across from and go, eh? Like, kind (laughs) of like, did you get it? Did you get something out of that? And it was such a weird experience. There's a lot of, um, it's not paranoia. It's more of like a self-consciousness that comes with it. Well, you're
1: really vulnerable.
0: Well, you feel weird as the reader because you're like, I, I want to do this right. I want to, I want to kind of make this a fun and sort of impressive and you know like like i'm i i want to be perceived as somebody who knows what i'm doing but it's also incredibly apparent (laughs) in times like that when you're flipping through a, a disgusting tiny book that that maybe there's some learning to be had but it was interesting because you know fast forward a million years right to today and I feel pretty good about being able to read tarot, uh, you know, just on the fly, grab it out of my purse or something like that and read for somebody just whenever, however, don't need to prepare anything like that. And and that's it's come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. And my perception of going to this tarot card conference was we were going to stand in a room full of people that could do way better than I could who could flip out a deck and read the entire deck one by one in some sort of like epic ever building crazy like, like 3 hour
1: reading super
0: intense story that was going to yeah like shake my soul and like you know like lightning and powers were just going to like shoot <laughs> out of the earth and the sky and everything and and there's sort of like a mystique to it that you know you walk in and you assume everybody feels like a pro in there That they're all going to kind of cross their arms and sit back and put their feet on the table and be like, yep, I know what I'm doing. And the first things that we heard out of people's mouths were that they were afraid to admit that they had a tarot deck, first of all, to their friends and family. They were afraid of looking foolish. They were afraid of reading the book. They were afraid of
1: like... Like forgetting the meaning. Yeah, or being stuck
0: in an awkward position when somebody says, what does that mean? You're like, I don't know. (laughs) You know, like there are all these things I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I forgot that everybody's a human being, first of all. But I also forgot that it like all of the same anxieties about performance Mm -hmm. probably affect every single person ever. And I was thinking about that, how that like how that applies to like me on the first day of class, even though I've done it a million times, Mm -hmm. you know, Or like if I have to get up and I'm, you know, for a meeting or something, I'm like kind of unprepared. Like I have the exact same feelings all the time where maybe I've only, maybe I feel like I know my stuff, but I've only looked at my notes once. And so I'm a little nervous. That fear of being found out or exposed or like, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I was, and I think I mentioned this a long time ago, but we actually, how we heard about this conference was a couple years ago, right? As soon as we did the tarot card project. We went and presented our project to this very conference. And I, for sure, I was like, I just learned these. All these people are going to think I'm a fraud. They're going to look at me and know they're all a bunch of psychics. And I just had this like horrible feeling that I was going to be like alone in this situation and that nobody would think that I knew what I was doing. Um, But like anything, I mean, everyone, especially in like a creative field too, everyone is in A million different places nobody's in the same spot or in the same like frame of mind or what they're doing or how it impacts stuff and so I think that is across the board like everyone is still in a learning thing and that's why it's called like your practice you know they did mention
0: that (laughs) and I thought that was really interesting it's funny however however many times the word practice came up you know Mm -hmm. I mean we throw that word around as like an artistic practice or you know things like that but You know, they were talking about your practice as a tarot reader. You know, and Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh yeah, weird, how similar that is." I was thinking about it too. Like, (laughs) I was thinking about my class, um, and I was sitting there thinking about it while we were looking at. uh, It was maybe on the second day. We were sitting there looking at a woman named Jeanette that had done this really great presentation on the differences between. Um Strength as a card way back in the day, and strength mm-hmm. as a card today, and all the iterations of it and she was talking about the meaning of the symbol. she was talking about how back in the day strength used to have this sort of forceful, almost like you know aggressive um mm-hmm. meaning to it, and all the images were always a you know somebody forcefully trying to pry the jaws of like a a beast wide open. And these days they're more of somebody subduing an animal with sort of a graceful, you know. um, Like a
1: gentle touch. A
0: gentle touch or somebody, you know, and we we kind of have always read it as dealing with a a rough situation in a very graceful manner, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. always been sort of the meaning that pops up every time I see that card. And it was interesting seeing her stand up there and look at this piece of art. And I was thinking about critique while she was sort of interpreting these things for us because she had a series of images, all these different versions of strength that were popping up, popping up, popping up. And she says, okay, and this one, and she'd sort of describe it, and it was all the classic symbols. This one is like this, and this one's like this. And all of a sudden there'd be a a stylized version of the exact same card done by a different type of artist. And she would say, this one, I don't really get what's going on here. She'd flip it to a new one. She's like... This one I can see the the strength element, but I don't. I'm not really sure why this character is doing this. And it was really interesting because all of a sudden I thought about what it's like to sit in a classroom and have people interpret artwork, and realize how much of like an artist's personal imp- interpretation of metaphor or storytelling or whatever matters first when they make it, but then second how important it is that it's portrayed in a manner that other people who are just looking at it are are going to be able to get what you were trying to say. And I was like, oh, man, that's a good lesson. I'm going <laughs> to remember this. I'm going to maybe bring it up someday in class again. But Jenny and I were talking afterwards about sort of this several-step process of interpreting like a big concept. And with tarot, you have an image. It's just like a picture book. And you're looking for something you know it's like it's actually like sitting down was my here's my crappy analogy or whatever it's like sitting down with a child with a picture book and trying to tell the child what's happening and if you're a good storyteller you'll try and relate the page before it to the page you're looking at and you'll try and make a relationship for the page you're looking at now to the next one and you won't just be like She's standing there in a forest. You'll be like, "Look at her, her face." And you know, and the character's face is doing yeah. this and she's standing next to this and you can see the shadow cast on her. So yeah. now it, you know, it makes it more scarier. You know, there's all these like things that you start to look for as a storyteller that you're you're trying to pull out of this piece of artwork.
1: Yeah. Well, it know? does it takes a lot of and I don't know what the average like reading time is but it does take a long time to sort of go through the story and describe it thoroughly and as and that's like the most helpful thing about tarot reading is you can't just like point at a picture and be like here's the metaphor like you have to say it out loud and then all of a sudden you realize what the metaphor is it's like you're like speaking combination of of phrases and then you realize this bigger connection after you say it out loud And so it's just like a totally different way of thinking. But something else that they mentioned as like a primary fear for a lot of people is just that flow like seeming seamless because if somebody's getting their tear red, they're just listening to the sound of your voice. And so they can hear inflections of like struggle or worry or emotion or any of those things. And so trying to like maintain a steady story that isn't distracting and gives like emphasis on the parts that you want to emphasize but also having cards drawn at random it is such a like interesting process as a reader i think it's really fun to try and connect the story but i also understand why that might be really difficult for a lot of people to sort of like try and figure out what to do on the fly like it definitely makes a difference having a deck you're super familiar with so here's a
0: question for you guys as artists when you put your mm-hmm. artwork up on the wall and you have to stand up for critique and explain why you did what you did or what people are looking at do you feel like you would go through the same process if you had to critique someone else's art or explain somebody like if you're a docent at a art museum and you're giving a tour mm-hmm. you know back in the day, I thought maybe people just made stuff up you know <laughs> I mean, I know there's like history, right? You can talk about the right. history and those are facts right but if if you're implying certain things based on what you're reading in the artwork, I always thought when somebody says you know, oh, this one speaks to me, and it says all these things to me. I was always like, oh, yeah, Especially if an
1: artist is deceased, and they're like, this red thing represents the color whatever, and this whatever thing represents this, and you're like, does it? Is that the artist's intention? That's the funny thing. Do they know they're doing something?
0: (laughs) I feel like in the past I would have said that is a bunch of crap, and of course they didn't mean what you're saying, and of course that isn't what, you know... Artist wasn't like, red means this and whatever. And I was like, it's just like when, I think I told you this, that I totally didn't read any of the books in high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Scarlet Letter, yeah, 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 okay, all right. And I'm sure there's tons of symbolism in there, and I never paid attention, which makes me a horrible person. And <laughs> someday maybe I'll revisit when I have lots of time. But I used to think that people would make it up to sound like they knew what they were talking about, and they would stand in front of a piece of artwork and say whatever they wanted and then I also used to think maybe arrogant people did that because they wanted to seem educated. Like
1: BS their way through something? Yeah.
0: It, but then yeah. I realized too, like when I'm sitting there in front of a tarot card, or if I have to explain somebody else's artwork, the first thing that I do is say what I see, like you said, mm-hmm. and it totally makes sense that there would be metaphors in there. And I feel like it's your job as the interpreter of this piece of artwork, right. whether you're a docent or a tarot reader, or if you're the person who made the artwork, you know, To stand there and to try and give a thorough and informed, even if it is your vision of what this is, even if you think that the color red was intentionally placed there for whatever reason, if it actually is like that and you're speaking truthfully about it, you said, well, when I see red, this is what I think. And therefore, I feel like that's part of the piece. Mm -hmm. These days, I don't think that's a load of crap at all. No, I feel either. I feel like it's actually, it doesn't matter if they intended for you to have it in there or not. It's the fact that you read it from that piece of artwork. Well, there's
1: also like collective ideas of what certain things symbolize or what certain things mean. I was
2: going to say metaphors kind of go, can go both ways. It's like maybe the artist didn't intentionally say like, I want this person to be sad and thinking about how they are tied down to the earth. So they're looking at a bird. And the bird is met him before for freedom. Yeah, like, who
0: does that? You know what I mean? Like, nobody writes their, like, nobody, like, paints a painting and then writes a paper about it unless you have to. Right, but somebody know?
2: might just make a character who's staring, like, upwards and there's a bird flying overhead. And yeah. the reason they did that was for the exact same reason, but it wasn't something where they're like, now I need to put a bird here to symbol, symbolize the flight for yeah. freedom or something, you know, something like that. Well,
1: that's today. I mean, today we've had several, and in every talk they've mentioned, like, specific context is like everything and everyone knows that but like the context for the artist like if you saw an entire body of their work like there's context within that because they have like their own visual language but then also like the viewer has their context that they're approaching things with
0: can you talk about that for a little bit about what you mean by the viewer having their own context yeah
1: so like okay so this was first brought up today and then the first time I was thinking about it was I during this lecture I kept replacing The words reading with making and the words like the the person who's getting their tarot read with a viewer or an audience. And so because it is a very similar relationship, the artist is explaining their artwork and telling the person what it is that they see. But then the viewer, like, what they take from that is sort of up to how it affects their life. But the person who's reading the tarot, like, doesn't have any idea of what they're going through personally because it's usually, like, a stranger or an, a random audience member. It's not necessarily, like, somebody that they know personally. So didn't they give
0: the example
1: of, they said, oh, you silly
0: thing. So, oh, so yeah. Um, we had a, a guest speaker, Farrell Humphrey, who is you know well known in her circles um, as being an expert in tarot and things like mm-hmm. that and she gave that very specific example and she said what do you th- what do you think and she pointed to somebody in the audience she said what do you think when i say oh you silly thing and the woman said
1: <laughs> she said i would think that means you're saying i'm an idiot
0: and then Farrell was like oh and then she turned to somebody else and she said oh well what would you think and then somebody else said oh well you know, maybe, maybe you're just kind of like, oh, you silly thing. Like, oh, I like you so much. You said something funny, you know what I mean? And so she's, she gave that point because of the context of whoever the person is, whatever you were going through at that moment, of course, you're going to read it with like a different tinge of glasses on or whatever. Right. You know?
1: Right. And the same is like, if you are reading, this is actually a good example that you made, but like, if you're reading somebody a picture book or like telling them a story, if they're thinking about their relationships or something in while they're hearing this story they're going to have a different understanding of what it's supposed to mean or how it affects their life because they're looking for meaning and they're looking for like relationships between those two ideas so chris here's a question for you
0: both as an artist as as and as somebody who has had to listen to many a tarot reading whether or not you're interested in them right when i give you a tarot reading or when somebody gives you a tarot reading tell me truthfully what kind of mindset do you go into that with? Do do you ever look for meaning in those? Just in terms of like this would be fun to think about, or do you go in just like I need to pass this time? I'm not really gonna. And that's fine if you if you're just like this is fun for them.
2: I probably go in more with the attitude of this is a fun way to pass the time, and I don't look for meaning that much.
0: That's totally fine. And it, I mean, and being that person, I kind of knew you were going to say that. So I was, here's your follow up question is being that person, you think you'd ever look at it differently just to have something fun to think about?
2: Mm, I mean, I kind of just maybe start, start that way, but it drops off quickly. It's kind of like if somebody's like, imagine the taste of red. Maybe you're like, this is a fun thought exercise. And then after a second, you're like, mm. <laughs> <Does> that <laughs> Well, that make
1: And maybe this is like partially why you think this way or the reason you feel this way is they're talking about 99% of the time the reason that people go to get readings is because they have like a major crisis or they need an answer or they're looking for like a total stranger's perspective and so if I don't know and I mean your life is probably not 100% perfect but like if you didn't have anything major that you're like I need answers right now or I can't talk through this or I can't like step away from my own situation, then maybe you'll look at it differently. The I other don't know. thing that they said that complements that sort of is like, instead of having a crisis or,
0: you know, looking for something major, they also were talking about the fact that a person has to be their own interpreter. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because they talked a lot during this conference about how everyone assumes that when you go to a tarot reader, that they have this ultimate power to direct you to do things. And almost every speaker that talked was saying like the, like the querent or the person asking the questions, the person that came for the reading has the power to listen to you or not. And they have the power to choose certain things to listen to or not. And if it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense, they don't have to listen to it. And it's funny how many times people said that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's like a disclaimer before. But
0: it's interesting, yeah. But it's interesting yeah. that they would say something like that because it's not something I always thought. I thought, you know, the whole story had to fit together and that's usually how I read it. And I, But the funny thing is, like, even when I read Tara, I don't, I don't ever think of a piece that just doesn't fit to it. And, and mm-hmm. I don't apologize for, like, the story that comes out because I'm like, here's a story. You interpret how that fits with you. That makes mm-hmm. sense.
1: Yeah. You know? And, I mean, they gave examples of that, too. She gave a reading out loud for someone and said... What I just said out loud makes zero sense to me at all. But to the person I just read to, it makes all the sense in the world. And I think that's what people usually think is that everybody knows
0: you, like, you know, <laughs> like they'll like, see I into know your you. soul. Right. I am searching your soul and I'm going to tell you, you know, and maybe there are some people that have that ability, but most people I believe are searching for meaning in cards and creating a scenario like a storybook mm-hmm. that helps you Think of things a little bit differently because you're you're bombarded with imagery, metaphors, and different perspectives. That, I also think that yeah,
2: the act of giving a tarot reading to someone you don't know is, to me, I guess, inherently more valuable. Because you don't have the opportunity to influence it with like, Stuff I you know this knew. person just broke up with someone and be like, I see sadness. I see loneliness or whatever, you know, kind of influence it with with details about their life that you already know. And I know you have done readings for people that you know about their life, and then they get up and they're like, well, that didn't mean anything to me.
1: And then I'm like... And then you're
2: like, yeah, right.
1: I think I have a harder harder time reading for people that I super know because I try to totally avoid, if I know a circumstance, if I'm like, Francesca's moving to Seattle. Not that I've read her too recently, but I would totally avoid like, mentioning anything about transition unless it was in the cards. Like, I would try to not, like, I don't know, falsify the reading right. just because of what I know. I feel like I'd be cheating. Yeah. And I think You'd that... Be
2: like This one has, like, an ocean and an airplane and a Starbucks and a...
1: And a
0: Starbucks. <laughs> so, okay, Okay, here's my, like, sidetrack moment for a second. When I went to take Francesca to Seattle... Uh We went in on the train and Francesca's sister, Felicia, pointed out the window and said, hey, look, there's Starbucks headquarters. And I looked out and there was like a big, tall tower with only the top half of the Starbucks mermaid's face. Just the eyeballs peeking over like a (laughs) like a little ledge (laughs) omnisciently like across the city. And I was like, what? (laughs) And that was the end of my story. Did you like that? Mm-hmm. It was creepy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very fitting. But so, okay. So back to the interpretation thing. Like I find it totally fun to look at cards and to have free association time mm-hmm. and to be like, let me pull out this thing and actually go through all of the things that, that are metaphors, all of like the symbols that are in here to actually say out loud everything that I'm thinking and to make a story out of a single card or yeah, multiple cards. I think it's
1: super fun, too. Like, it makes a lot of sense. And I find it easier to, like, articulate things when you're just looking at the cards and, like, speaking freely than, like, trying to come up with or, like, give a speech, for instance. Like, if I were to stand in front of a group of people and try and, like, say it, it has a totally different feeling. But do you think, you think as somebody who
0: doesn't really look at any of these? I mean, when you look at just art in general, do you ever just do this? Do you ever just look at something and go through the list of things that you think are interesting about it? Like, why would the artist do that? Like, how is this pertaining to the rest of the image? Like, um,
2: I think I might. But I, I think when I look at stuff like that, I usually look at more of like a technical side of it where I look not at... Not a
0: storytelling side of it?
2: No, not a storytelling really? side. Really? Not even
0: narrative artwork? No. You're just like, is this a good drawing?
2: Sometimes I do, maybe. But not not even is this a good drawing, but I am usually looking at interesting marks or something like that where i I kind of get lost in there i think before i move on to narrative things i'm trying to think of a good example i
0: like when we were at the museum in atlanta Mm -hmm. the other week we were standing in front of some of the paintings that are you know supernaturalistic you know kind of classical looking paintings you were looking at the paint strokes
2: yeah, I say I would say probably. And not it. the
0: storytelling ability with lighting and like, you know, with the I was the definitely looking at
2: the lighting, but I was more just impressed with the ability to render lighting and things like that, which is a funny thing because in my own work I'm not like super rendery or anything like that. You yeah. Know? So um but yeah, that's more of what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at the story behind it so much. And I can't I'm tell... looking at the mood and f- like kind of emotions, but not really story. So, well, the,
0: okay. So, in the, and that's why I asked just, I know everybody's different. I know everybody has a different focus. I don't know if I paid as much attention on the story until the last couple of years, also. I mean, I work in a field where, and as you guys know, if you've listened to any podcast before, we probably mention it once every now and again i 'm um, a product designer, so my uh, my whole training my whole entire experience is building building like a product experience for somebody that gets them on a gut level where they don 't have to think too much about it. they just react and they like it like that 's my job is to know how people like things, which is interesting to put it that way so it 's funny when if I actually think about that, even though I make a lot of decorative stuff, there's always that underlying thread of this is a meaningful decision that I'm choosing these colors because I'm trying to get a reaction. And I never thought about that. And I actually, I came in the other day and I was ranting about an ex-boyfriend about how he always challenged me about how I didn't have any content in my work. You know, oh, you just like decorative stuff and you're, where's your stories and all that. And it's funny because up until today this second right this <laughs> second i was like oh yeah of course decorative there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with that but i was like i guess i never really thought about how much other stuff had informed my decorativeness of my artwork right uh which is weird that i'm saying that right now i'm just having these like revelations but and it's interesting of how much i do look for intentional decision making and how i search for the storytelling within why somebody did the lighting they that they can do you know i think now i'm past the point i'm like moving into a different phase of like digesting a piece not to say that there's an order or anything but i just have moved from like super specifically looking at the technique to now analyzing the decision making like what was the person thinking when they decided to light this part of the painting Mm-hmm. and how does that relate to every other thing that's happening in here and it's weird because that's what i'm fixating on these days and i'm sure it has a lot to do with same reason why i have so much fun trying to figure out the meanings of you know new tarot deck cards or something like that but i am mesmerized by when people do it, do a great job because that's that ability to choose correctly to make a very readable very intense and very specific like emotion in another human being that is incredibly hard to do and it's funny and being a teacher in the illustration program I mean I watch people struggle with it all day you know most people do focus on one side of it like the technique and that's totally what I did when I was in school too is I was I spent more time trying to learn how to paint than trying to think about how I was going to tell my story you know and he, it's it's such a weird thought But these, like, I sit there and she's, you know, one of the speakers flashing all these different cards on the screen. I was like, man, it's so funny to see who is, who's an illustrator, who's a fine artist, who's, who's doing what. And, like, you can tell the people, just like you can tell when you look at any other artwork, you know, what the focus was in creating that piece. Mm -hmm. Like, was it to tell the story or was it to just rehash a bunch of, like, symbols that they know yeah. are inherent on other things right. just because they think it's supposed to be on there or is it because they wanted to make a nice painting but it has nothing to do or you can't find the relationship between what you're supposed to, to do, you know, good technique, bad storytelling. I don't know, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I was also thinking about that. So there was a couple, I don't know, we probably saw 10 or 12 different strength cards to talk about, but there was a couple that were extremely non-traditional they're very different than all the other cards which is not a problem at all um i don't know i think when people are reading cards especially like a, a especially a tarot deck because the symbols and the meanings are like very inherent in the card where you're like this card is supposed to mean strength so when you see a deck that doesn't have like a woman and a lion Um, you instantly are like, does this still mean this thing? It is the strength card. How does it apply now? And so you start to like rethink about what the card is supposed to be doing or what it's supposed to be meaning. Um, But I do think a lot of cards will probably get away with conveying the same meaning just because it's like attached to the strength card. And
0: maybe that's kind of what I was saying before is like when, when one of the speakers was standing up, she's like, I don't really get this one. Like... Part of me says, Yeah, well maybe like I don't know who and I'm not blaming this on her. I I mean like the you know, the the tarot reader or the viewer of a piece of artwork or the artist Mm -hmm. or whatever, whoever Mm -hmm. else is involved in this interpretation, yeah. Like who's the lazy one there?
1: Right. You know Well, I also I mean, you can draw a person holding a lion like one billion ways. And each one of them will like say something a little bit different about that like same concept. And what if you don't
0: draw a line at all?
1: Right, right. And that and was, you still
0: figure out how the idea. Yeah, of strength well, I goes think that was
1: one of the cards, especially one of them that I like whispered over to you. It was a, it looked like a stencil spray paint of a line with like some other spray paint over the top, with like a photo background or something. And we were trying to figure out. Or she was trying to figure out what the meaning is or how it could be related or if there's like a hidden figure in there or if it was an optical Like illusion. if you turn it upside down. Yeah, like... which I think that sometimes um, the cards are like hindered by the like traditional symbolism because if you do something a little bit different, um, you run the risk of people being like, I don't get it. Why is it? Why did they change it? Why does why it, is it not is it follow this rule? Yeah. Well, I can I
0: understand why. I mean, I when I made my tarot card, mm-hmm. I took that route i drew exactly what the classic one was more or less mm-hmm. i changed the hand position a little bit i changed all the colors you know i rendered it the way i would render it and the way i wanted it to look but i was terrified of changing something that was inherently like a storytelling part of the card because i was worried that i was going to do it wrong and mm-hmm. i feel like you know a couple years ago like 2012 i was i i It meant so much to me to make a card that had those kinds of like you know that kind of storytelling power that i was like well i don't completely understand this so i just don't want to do it wrong for somebody that knows what's up you know yeah and like even and now i think about it i'm like what did i like why did i second guess myself and i bet you francesca who's not here would say the exact same thing because she told me just a week ago that she'd like to redo her card from way back then. I was like, move on, just do something <laughs> else. You know, she's like, No, I just I don't like the way it is. But
2: Do you think there's like three levels of comfort where if you know nothing, you're free to do whatever. And then if you know a lot, you feel like you're stuck in exactly what the card like if you don't know what any of the symbolism is, you don't know what's important to keep if you're at the sort of lowest naivest level. And so you're kind of free to do whatever. And then you have the second level where you kind of were two years ago where you knew a lot about it, so you didn't want to change anything. I
1: would say may maybe now the you, opposite. But oh. now you
2: moved past that and you know exactly what the symbolism so, is and you don't have to stick with the metaphors you, that were the predetermined metaphors. So
0: here, here's a question that goes with your question. Which one do you like better? Star Trek. No, 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 no. And that's not what I was going to say. Uh, is it? It's Nine Inch Nails' version of "Hurt" or Johnny Cash's version of "Hurt."
2: Which one do I personally like better? Well,
0: see, that's a rhetorical question because you don't even have to answer that because both—I mean, Cause... you can, you can—but I was going to say both people that are <laughs> that mm-hmm. are in that are in both situations are doing a fantastic job. Right. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Cash is an ancient. Well, he's not around anymore, but when he did that, he was an ancient old man. Mm-hmm who did whatever he wanted with that song, and he did a great job, you know? And because he knows music and he knows himself, he he performed well within the context of whatever that is, you know what I mean? Like, his artistic expression did that song justice. And, of course, the original one is the original one, so that's what people compare it to, you know what I mean? Like, any cover of anything ever is up against the original one. And I think, you know, a lot of people are purists. They're like, if all my symbols are not in there, this is not worth it. No mm-hmm. one could ever be as good as, like, whatever.
2: Well, that's also where the, the difference between doing a cover... I guess the worst kind of cover is a cover that doesn't try to, de- like, deviate from the original at all. And they're basically just doing a copy. And they're like, look how close this well, is Well, that's to what the I was going to say.
1: A, I feel like it would be the opposite of what you said, like, the beginner person would do exactly what the image is so that they don't, because they haven't, like, they wouldn't want to make a mistake or they wouldn't want to change anything. They want people to recognize it as what it is. Yeah. And I, and I well, understand I think that, there's a that lev- me. I think there's a know? level even
2: below that, though, where, like, Lindsay knew the symbols. Right. She really kind of, like, knew what was supposed to be on the card, but yeah. there's probably a level before that. Below that, and I'm sure some of the artists involved in the show,
0: where they, t- they gave up a, a cursory, like, they oh. gave
2: like a cursory glance at the tarot card, and they're like, okay, I'm ready to go, and they didn't Maybe, like, yeah. look at the history well, and we, look at all, what all the symbols mean. I'm, I'm sure the there's plenty of people
0: that yeah. do that. I mean, the and of course, like in our context, we stressed the importance of research, and yeah. I feel like the people that we work with here at the gallery are super smart, so they right. get it. Um, but I, I see what you mean. Like some people may or may not feel like it is as important if they understand, for example, mm-hmm. metaphor so well, they totally could have trashed the entire thing, done whatever they want because their master is at storytelling.
1: Right. And I mean, that's the other thing. Like you could read tarot cards with plain playing cards. You could. So like if a, if a person knows how to read tarot cards, they could do it regardless, but the image is supposed to. And this was, like, a perfect example today. They were talking about the difference in strength cards. Like, is it brute force strength or is it, like, calming and, like, tender perseverance? Is it overcoming, like, your will or, I don't know, pursuing things to, like, calm down the beast? Like, there's all these versions of courage and all these versions of strength. And so the image is supposed to, like direct how you feel about it, but you could play with nothing. It could just be like a word strength on a card, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's well, that's true. I don't know. I I think it's interesting because again, I feel like and this is going off what you were saying and sort of deviating at the same time, but there's a million different tarot decks. Each one is done by somebody else with a different perspective of how that deck is supposed to look. And sometimes people are like, I just want to make a tarot deck and they'll just make one, right? And then other times people are like, this is like my my life's blood. And then they'll like pour their entire like master's degree in symbolism into this thing, yeah. you know. Um, but every single one will, if you follow the, the same rule of interpreting artwork, if you walk into a, a like an art museum and you mm-hmm. stand in front of a painting, you say they use red because they are filled with rage here. yeah. I mean, if you're that kind of person that reads that, you will read... What's right in front of you and you will interpret it the way that you want to interpret it, regardless of whatever somebody has done to lead you down the path. You know, I mean, you'll, if you're looking at something that is a peaceful strength, I mean, you wouldn't say it was an aggressive strength if it doesn't look like that, of <laughs> course. But, right. you know, but you probably, if you're, if some things are left up to interpretation, it it would be you that would be assigning meaning to whatever, I don't know. It's interesting. This whole entire thing has made me think a lot about just like the quality of storytelling in artwork and, mm-hmm. you know, the roles of the artist, the roles of the person interpreting, the roles of, you know, like each person involved, like the person asking the questions or whatever, like every single person. Um, and I got so tired after this <laughs> conference <laughs> because I had to think too hard about it. But yeah. I don't know, but it was it was interesting though. Just kind of thinking about this on, on a different level, on a totally different topic. Um, we briefly mentioned about the fact that okay, maybe there was sixty some people there. Like it was it was smallish, mm-hmm. big enough, small enough. You know, it was kind of an intimate setting. So I was thinking about this, and at a couple times during the conference, people were mentioning how nice it was, in which I totally agree. That there is a place where someone has facilitated a meetup between everybody that would like to talk in depth about topics like this, and and I was like, oh my god, this is total parallel to like what it's like. Somebody starts an art club, or like a knitting group, or like something where you're you've got an interest and you pursue it, and you can find a like a safe place to like be a nerd with everybody else in that room. I was thinking about you, Chris, and all of your your board game moments being a nerd.
1: Just being a nerd, just
0: nerding it up. But I was thinking about that because I was like, you can go over to Fantasy Flight Event Center and sit down with any of those guys and they'll get you, you know? Like, they know they know what you're into. Like, because there's tons of stuff there that is probably so similar to all of your interests that you don't even have to know who they are to know that they're probably going to understand some piece of whatever you're right. into, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But I was thinking about that and I was like, man, it, it is really interesting. I always thought about, like, art... I mean, I know it's not isolated, you know, like everybody's got interested or a little bit like unique or really like eccentric or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I always thought that art was one of those things. Sure, there's tons of people like that like to make things, but then there's all little nuances. And even beyond that, there's like levels of nuance in the nuances. Yeah. Um, But hearing these people talk about how they didn't really have a place to do art. Outside of this room. Mm-hmm. was oh, here. I said art.
1: Yeah, I
2: know. I was like, is that what they said? No, no. They okay. said
0: tarot. They said tarot. But I, you can see where I was going with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, n- well, so you know the I mean? the beginner, the starter of this convention is Nancy Antonucci, which is, she's a local tarot reader and she also does uh, divination readings. So, Part of the thing that she was talking about for a while, she did like an afternoon session um, leading us through a couple different ways to read tarot and sort of connect with your spirit. But something that I found amazing and like we've had these conversations recently also is um, so she kept finding herself like you trying to use social media for what it is, but then she realized that she should be using it for what she wants to do. Um, And so sort of flipping things around and realizing that like she can take control over motivating people that's what she wants to do and that's what she has the ability to do and so making conferences like this happen or meetups or other like twin city tarot meetups things like that making those happen so that people have a community because she has the ability to like rally people you know which i thought was pretty exciting and i definitely think that especially it seems like tarot reading is um I don't know. Well, it's definitely a minority, but it's also like very far and few between here in the Midwest. And so I think it gives people a chance to practice and connect and have a chance to try reading on each other and see if like the same fears or the same anxieties are happening across the board. It's sort of comforting to like hear people who've been doing it for 30 years are still in practice mode, you know, which is really exciting. And I know we talk about this too. Um, two of the presenters today actually published a book and pub recently published a deck that were inspired from a couple years ago at the conference which i think is true to like what the conference or what any sort of meetup is intended to do is to like branch outward or like continue further the community or st- yeah like or start like, projects or realize like make a meetup or make a something have a support group yeah and I, I mean, I, I think that was really interesting
0: too. I mean, it's, and they gave credit to it also, which is yeah. really nice. And they said, Oh, you know, it's you guys and your ideas and all this stuff. And we actually went forward and we did it. And, you know, and they talked about some of their struggles with self-publishing and just like anybody, I mean, I feel like anytime you put yourself out on the limb to do a big project, like mm-hmm. something you're, you know, you're you're hoping that the benefits outweigh the risks and, you know, and and it's just like a scary kind of a thing. But I think they overall were happy to have people that supported them throughout the process. But man, it just kept, kept like finding all these parallels where I'm like, they're making stuff and they're worried about it and they're worried about their like baby, you know, like their projects are baby and everything that goes wrong is like a kind of a scary thing, you know? Yeah. And like, is it going to work? Have they chosen the right things? Like we deal with this stuff all the time. Jenny and I were sitting around talking about grants, trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to word our grant, our In- 500 <laughs> word grant. Thing or whatever you know yeah. you have like two two milliseconds to describe everything you've ever wanted in this grant and everything you think could be possible and you're like how am i going to take everything and narrow it down to like a one sentence blip and it's the same process you still go through all that terror of like am i going to do this right like do i like i know this project deserves what it deserves because i i i feel like it's got potential beyond just like my brain you know, mm-hmm. um, and that it it probably would affect other people in a positive manner. Therefore, it's probably worth writing a <laughs> writing yeah. a grant for, and hopefully, other people will understand. But I think those guys did have um, quite a few people that reached out and and helped them with it. So that was really good. You know, I think one of the grant things that we were talking about when we were discussing like new projects and things is there was a qualifying question on the grant. Like list of questions that you have to do that said, how will you quantify the effect of how many people are actually benefiting from this event that you're going to do? How do you how do you gauge the success of your event? And then we were like, <laughs> w- like what? Like in numbers? Like gauge the success of what? Them being inspired? Right. Like how? Like. I don't know. Chris, do you have an answer so we can write it down and put it in the grant? <laughs> you know, but well, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, they're, for them, that's right. exactly right. The fact right. that they came back with a project that was inspired by this thing means that something happened. Something happened. happened. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, even in like a smaller version of that, every time they're giving somebody a tarot reading, like the impact that they're... Giving somebody, they have no idea. Like, somebody could turn around and, like, do nothing with the answer that they gave them, or they could do everything with it. Right. You know? And so there's no, unless somebody comes back to them and tells them what happened, like, there's no way of knowing sort of the, I don't know, like, rolling effect of stuff. And so that's, like, the interesting part for those guys is to try and figure out how they tell somebody something, how they do it in, like, a constructive manner, but also let the, like, audience or let the listener sort of like sort through the pieces of information to figure out what's actually relevant and what they should do. So so
0: so when the grant reviewers sort through the information of what we have told them, this is yes. exactly the same yes. thing. They're gonna they're gonna look at our our grant proposal slash tarot reading, which <laughs> is basically the same thing, and they're gonna go, which pieces of this should I actually pay attention to and and consider? Yes. As a meritable thing—is that even a word? Is yes. That a word?
2: Meritable. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Worthy of merit. If did. it's Marit- not yeah, merit
0: worthy, okay. okay, good. Um, <laughs> but you know, and it's funny because I know that that interpretation is totally out of our hands at that point.
1: It is. It's I like mean, whoever can,
0: they're, whatever they're feeling, right?
1: Like you can do your best to like, like fix every single word in a sentence to make like the language so perfect to you but then like what does that mean to anybody else you know yeah i mean we we experienced this earlier this year too writing grants about pattern making or other things and if they're not experienced in that or if you're doing somebody's tarot and you tell them like what the meaning of this card is. Like the only thing they know about that card is what you just told them and not all the other things that come with it too. And they know, you know? about
0: themselves and yes. their own biases or their own yeah. like celebrations or whatever right. else, you know? And right. that's, and that oh man, that's so crazy. I like this conversation <laughs> because it puts everything in perspective for me because I like, okay, so we did an exercise um, with Farrell Humphrey where she had everybody do these like super quick, turn a card over, say what you see kind of a thing, you know? She had us connect a phrase to it, so she says, I will never, and then you flip your card over and you say a thing, right? Yep. Or you say, I will always, you flip the card over and you say something, right? And she said, okay, well, some of you guys aren't going to like this and some of you guys are going to like this. Whatever, we're just going to do it. So go when I say go, stop when I say stop. So we went in a circle doing this little exercise, flipping cards, saying what we saw, going in a circle. And it was maybe 25 minutes long, you know, various versions of it and all that. And my brain, and you'll have to tell me what you thought, Jenny, my brain instantly went to, I don't get what's going on, but I bet there's a point to this. So I need to figure out what the system here, and they're like, <laughs> what is the system and how is this working and what is she trying to get us to do? Because as a teacher, I constantly am doing that to my students where I'm feeding them tiny bits of information so that it's easier to see how something snowballs. So I was sitting here trying to analyze this like, exercise. And it was frustrating for me because I instead of focusing on the thing I was supposed to be doing, I was focusing <laughs> on her teaching method. And I was trying to understand, like, what am I supposed to be getting from this? Can't I just like, figure that out first and then apply it the way that I want to apply it? Which is really right. a self-centered, horrible way to deal with learning, which is why <laughs> oh, I'm what? sort of a horrible learner and whatever. But, but I was thinking so hard about that that I really didn't allow myself to have, like, a decent time doing it. And I was kind of frustrated at the end, not with her, but with myself, where I was like, oh, I missed the point here. Mm-hmm. But what did you think about that? Were you, what were you thinking about when well, you are doing it?
1: So the, the s- process that this went in was four different stages where we were escalating, like, the kind of things that we were saying. At first, we'd flip a card and say, like, there's a man on a horse. What the hell? <laughs> and just sort of like, and that's, <laughs> that's literally exactly what we, we said.
2: <laughs> said. Yes, we say what the hell. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you, you flip the card and it
0: says guy upside down. What the hell? Yeah. Or you're like UFO sighting. What the hell? Or whatever's yeah. on your so, tarot card.
1: So you just say something, and so it's an exercise in to get you to just just, react. just saying stuff, just yeah. to relax and say whatever comes up. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. And right. so the hard part was when it got to questions like. I have never, or I will never, because those like put the ego or put you back into the sentence that you're saying and not just like, this is weird, this is random, whatever is happening is fine. Um, I actually like, I don't know. I mean, I have a different interpretation of this. Like I don't think reading tarot, I don't maybe take it as like super seriously as some of the other people where they're like afraid to do it. But I thought the exercise was like funny and like a fun like social game. You know, it see, seemed more like that, but interesting. I guess for people who felt uncomfortable reading afterwards, they said it made the reading easier. Um, I did think that there was going to be some sort of effect. Like I thought we would continue doing this until the sentences we were saying were a version of reading. Like, I see something, blah oh. blah blah. This is what it means like, a combination of flipping things that would, like, lead to, like, a real reading. And I thought we would just continue to play the game until we were reading cards. Um, but I didn't do that. It sort of, like, stopped. And then we did one-card readings, which, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel comfortable enough doing one-card reading, so it wasn't too bad. And I couldn't really see the connection between, like, the individual one-card reading and the exercise. But I do understand that it, other people were saying it helped with, like... The pace of their reading.
0: I realized, too, like, afterwards, all of us had this big discussion. People were talking about what it did for them or what it didn't do for them. You know, and, of mm-hmm. course, I sat silent because I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure what I think about things. So <laughs> usually I do have opinions about things, but I, I just sat there. But um, but I thought about it, too, and the more that I was reflecting on it, I was, I was riding in the car to go and get dinner or whatever. I was thinking you know what that probably also was about is probably also about listening to other people talk and trying to feel if you're reacting to what they're saying on like a personal level so like if you were my reader and you said i will never do this thing mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason that bugged the crap out of me
2: <laughs> like
0: or maybe i was like good you shouldn't do that thing you know and yeah. i was like you know what you never the do funny that funny thing.
1: thing like it was, though, the I will never and I, what was the other one? I have never. I will always. And I will always weren't supposed to be connected to you personally. And so, like, I was never offended or affected by, like, anything anyone at our table said. I mean, they're all really silly. They were like, I'll never ride a horse. I'll never fall off a building. I'll never whatever. Um, so they're all really silly. <laughs> so I didn't take anything personally. But I know at other tables... Things were said that people were sort of impacted by.
0: Yeah, but I was... And that's the funny thing. I I mean, and that's my guess was maybe it was supposed to also help us realize what our biases were for what people were saying. I think so too. But yeah, our table was was silly. And then I was angry that everybody was silly because I was like, where's the substance? And then I was like, I am a jerk and I should just stop trying to find like rules and everything, which is always very comforting for me. But I was like... Jenny's having fun at least, so that's good. <laughs> I was like, this is she's silly. like, Ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. Are we gonna play it in the car when we go to the Iceland thing, yeah. or is it like, just gonna make people scream what they won't word? do?
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: but but there's, I mean, there's all these things that I was like, oh, it's funny. All these reasons to get people talking about the work, you know. I that that's the whole point. I think of like being comfortable, just announcing. Something, just speaking like up. which claiming, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, especially in a tarot card conference, of course, if you're going to be reading cards out loud to anyone, maybe even yourself, you should be saying words. Right. Like, out of your mouth. <laughs> you should well, probably do, be saying some think, words.
1: Um, And, I mean, we've been talking a little bit or a lot about the comparison between, like, tarot reading and art-making practice. But the one thing that's super, super different is – like, tarot reading is... I mean, okay, maybe this is not true at all. <laughs> I was going to say, you can read for yourself. But for the most part, tarot reading is a social thing. You are reading for another person. You are, like, instructing them and giving them advice and telling them what you see. You know, it's totally so, different than...
0: Wait, how okay. is that different than artwork?
1: Well, I was going to say something about that. I don't, so,
2: is
0: that the opposite of what you're going to
1: say? What
0: were you going to no, say? No,
1: that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that I think it is different than art making. Like, one of the nice things about the conference was... Pairing up with people, giving them a reading, reading for your neighbor, talking about ideas. Like it gives you something to sort of like digest and talk about and open up about. But I think it's different than art, the like art making audience version because there's not somebody standing in front of your piece most of the time at a gallery saying, this is what this is about. Look at the red but color. A- Unless
0: you're me and Chris standing in front of a room full of students telling them what their artwork is doing.
2: Or if you're in a illustration art making little meetup at a coffee house or something like
1: maybe that, maybe or like a critique, a critique. You're or like, like
0: a presentation. Well, that's well. I was yeah. thinking about this. Okay, so but on- do you
1: think it's as social or like as like if you're presenting an idea and then you're like, let me tell you all things, and then they're like, oh, I see. All right. Well, <laughs> check this out. Okay, so this
0: here's how I relate all the things in the world together. So in my product design class. Half of your grade or something around there loosely is about your presentation of your concepts. And if you cannot stand up and tell me why you've done what you've done, then there's no, like, there's no, like, nothing to gauge it against Mm -hmm. if you don't explain to me what your research was and why you've chosen the certain things you do, like the The purpose of doing this is to show that you've thought through your concepts and that there was process and that there is some substance to the final result because as we all know just because you can make a beautiful end thing doesn't mean that it's good you know
1: yeah well do you ever do like and this is very specific but do you ever do like pure critiques yes where you're like you two go over there and critique this person's thing And have a discussion about it. That's exactly what we did last class. Yes. Did you? Okay.
0: What's what's interesting about that, and we have a variety of different ways that we critique, from written critique to small group Mm -hmm. critique to everybody's in a giant group and hardly anybody talks except for me, you know, like not on purpose, but people are shy. But what I think is really helpful about having to go through that process and also that exercise about blurting stuff out for tarot is that you have to learn how to articulate yourself. And I think about all the times... In school where I was either annoyed by the big words that people were using because I think they were just sh- schmoozing the teacher mm-hmm. you know this is back when I was in school or like back maybe, before you
2: wanted to be the one being schmoozed yeah, yeah. I
0: want to, now I want everybody to schmooze me but I feel like or if I was like at the office like at a job and people were presenting and I was like how come you can't find some articulate words to say what you mean you yeah. know, like, there like are two, yeah, two Yeah, two sides of things that I was constantly like, I understand now the importance of choosing specific words, even though I'm, as anybody will say, anybody who's ever listened to me talk, I have a vocabulary that's probably like three words big.
1: <laughs> what? Well, okay. But, there's a difference between a presentation though and like candidly speaking all the time. Yes. Like, and so, I don't think we try to articulate everything on the podcast. <laughs> no, and that's I mean, fine. I
2: have but, been thinking about trend boards and our classes and things throughout yeah. this podcast just because how you when you were talking about looking for the symbols and building the story, I mean, the word that I use most is when I'm critiquing trend boards is how, is it, how does this detract from the story or how does this add to the story? But I use that's the a word story constantly.
0: Way of talking about it, but it's exactly what I was talking about. Picture book. Or, you know, if you have, uh, it's it's the narrative through comic panels, you know, if you, it's like the dialogue shouldn't reiterate the same thing. It's like your notes on your trend board shouldn't reiterate the same thing, you know, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't write the word <laughs> that is on, like, t- uh, if you draw a teapot, you don't need to write teapot on your teapot, you know, mm-hmm. but there are supplementary, like little tiny hints that should be there, but they should, they should sit next to an image on its left or on its right and complete a statement like a whole concept by their relationship together you know and it's funny yes tarot cards are like that yes your presentation is like that any public speaking anything you should relate the beginning of your story back to the end of your story. I think all in creative writing, I feel like yeah. you can't just leave something behind and forget no. to go back and mention why you started your right. story like that.
1: You know what I mean? Right. Well, most of the time, in any time I'm doing a three card reading, I'm like, here's this thing. Here's this thing. Here's this thing. And now together, this is what they <laughs> mean all together, because I do think there's so many disparate, like random thoughts that happen while you are reading or while you're talking through a story to like have a perfect recap is always really helpful.
0: And I feel like that whole practice of learning your way of articulating yourself in whatever manner it is, verbal articulation of yourself is probably half of the reason why I'm so engaged in this particular podcast. It's such a big part of things that I kind of infuse in the classes that I have, specifically product design, because it needs that component, you know, I think all artwork deserves like an articulate, you know, description (laughs) or analysis or something like that. And it's also very interesting because in my job, not only this job, this is my extra fun job, but like in my, my day job, my whole existence is based around whether or not I can sell my concepts not schmooze my concepts into a position, but actually prove my concepts and sell, like, the integrity behind the designs to somebody who is looking for an explanation, which is exactly what tarot is mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. my weird parallel between all these things. But I think you're right, Chris. The trend board, it's the same, same thing, you know? It's like, what was the point of the story if you can't figure out how it relates you know yeah I don't know I mean in that way too I mean I guess you do you do have to do that all the time so even if you don't do it for a piece of artwork in a museum
2: well I mean I actually when I was thinking about this I I I do like when I make like pieces I put little bits in there that are kind of narrative focused. but I guess when I look at things it's just not my thing but I think that relates to how I look at a lot of things. For instance, I was thinking back to playing the little intro to the new, the old, whatever it is, the Final Fantasy MMO thing, and I was like, I want to see the gameplay and the mechanics as fast as possible, and Lindsay's like, why are you skipping the story? Yeah, no, I was really mad. What's the point of playing? I was like, why are you skipping the story? Who cares what they're, they're saying garbage nonstop, (laughs) let's just get to, I want to see the content of what the game...
0: How do you know the context... Though, it doesn't
2: even matter because the content the, is so broken and lame anyway. So. You didn't
0: even read it, though. so you I didn't, read you didn't enough even to know. know that it was okay, going nowhere. So when I get a National Geographic in the mail, I don't just flip through the pictures, although I probably could because they're really great, yeah. but I read it cover to cover all of like the, like the little bits that come in from readers that are like, actually, you spelled the Mississippi River whatever delta <laughs> wrong on page 452. And I'm like... Oh, good point. They probably did. That... <laughs> I, so I, I appreciate the context because then again it makes more sense to me, you know? Like for whatever reason it's a huge fun part of like digesting an experience. And it's it's like when we used to play Wow Chris, you know?
2: Also garbage story.
0: <laughs> garbage story? Yeah. This story that I'm about to tell is a garbage story?
2: No, I'm just saying, wow. <laughs> Reading all the text boxes <laughs> oh in god. wow World no. of Warcraft is a no. pointless endeavor.
0: You should read it because there's the lore. I there. not read it either. Oh my god. There's I the lore, never, you guys. I've never played wow. But. So, okay, so do you think when anybody picks up our role models game, they actually read the stories that the artist did? I don't know. Oh my god, they better.
2: What per- I would say not 100%. Certainly you don't, don't
0: think that people read that? I feel like not it's every, kind of board, essential.
2: every board game I come with at, or every board game I get has like a either intro page of introductory s- fluff about what the story is. And I probably read two of those.
0: Well, then you're putting a lot of pressure on the game to just like.
2: Well, it's a game. The whole point is to be But it's a not game. just
0: about the math or <laughs> the mechanics, though. It's about like the experience. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. But it, no, it's totally not. I mean, like I know that when we talked about making that game same thing with the decks or whatever tarot deck or making like making any games like if you can play it with a bunch of blank pieces of paper that's great like if you're having fun with blank paper that means that there's something really good there but i feel like the essence of like its soul is beyond the mechanics it's about the creative application of like whatever the the set dressing is don't you think
2: I think that is an element that is helpful.
0: But that's the part you look at at the museums, you know? You look at the, <laughs> the beautiful, like, extra pieces. Do you mean the didactics or do you mean the pieces? No, he probably doesn't even read the didactics. Oh. Do you even read the didactics at a museum?
2: Uh, depends. I'm oh, not, I'm so I offended. Do Did our
0: didactics? Oh my God, Chris! Do you read Sometimes, our didactics? I don't know. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. I read all the didactics. <sighs> I read them. It's the okay. I too. do too. I usually walk up to the didactic first. I am shocked. That's probably why you went and sat down in the Atlanta. I
2: sat down because we I we had been like awake or I was sick. You okay. Remember? Okay. Because I was going to say, I was like, dying. I, I was like, where I was where seriously go? And I was on the verge of and like, dying. I'm and I kept telling Lindsay how uncomfortable I was and I was dying. And then she's like,
0: <laughs> I'm reading a didactic. Yeah. Shut up, Chris. I, well, I, I can't, I, uh, I just, maybe it's just the difference of interests then. Cause I just am so, I just, uh, I just can't even understand. My brain has turned into a, like, I don't even know why face.
2: you're surprised though.
0: I don't know why I'm surprised either. I mean, I, I do know because they're so wonderful.
2: The funny thing is you're saying all this and then you are the person who like refuses to read any fiction or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I don't read fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an enigma. <sighs> you, nothing makes sense. Human contradiction. <sighs>
2: anyway, I think that it is, valu- I think everything is valuable to people and everything not, but is not valid equal. to people. Right, it is not equally valuable to people, but everything I yeah. is Okay, there's to a people. point.
0: There's a purpose for everything, and some people grab the fluffy stuff, and other people grab the mechanics.
2: And yeah. it totally depends on the context. <laughs> if I was playing the Walking Dead board or the Walking Dead video game, yeah, I am playing it for the story because there is nothing else to it.
0: Well, that was the point. The right. Point was. The but story. if I am playing, wow,
2: World of Warcraft, then I am there to run around in weird forests and things and kill animals
0: oh i hate when he kills the animals too i feel like i feel like they should just make everything like a weird Blob. non-sentient robot so that you don't have to <laughs> i'm like no that's a nice deer don't do it oh but i don't know I, I thought it was interesting it's funny see how nice it is to actually get out of the gallery for once jenny
1: yeah it gives us new ideas.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Gosh. It gives us a new influx of energy and also drains our energy all at once. Yep. I yawned 45 times before this podcast started, <laughs> but I think I got too heated up there thinking about Chris not reading the didactics. But um, I feel like it was really good. Don't worry, Chris. I won't hold it against you. It's, I'm done. I'm over it. I think it was really good to have this moment of reflection, even though it's funny because it is about tarot cards, but it's not.
1: No, it's. it felt more like people getting together, talk about something they're passionate about and share like their own techniques or like feel better about their own practice or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's exactly what it
0: was. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it like what it was. Comfort and friendship. Yes. Well, we'll see how this influences the rest of our everything. On that note, we encourage you the next time that you you have to stand in front of a thing, either read the didactic or don't. (laughs) Uh, But see if you can interpret something and just see what it's like. I mean, if if you're like me and you used to think it was BS, or if you have always thought it was meaningful, I mean, it might be interesting to look at it with a different view. So that's your challenge. So, all right. Make sure to come to game night on February 5th and Chris will only read the rules to you and not explain the story <laughs> to you then?
2: I explain the story. <laughs> There's just a lot of extra story that is unnecessary.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Chris will give you the truncated version. Um, and we shall keep you posted because uh, lots of things coming up very soon. Um, last thing I'll say about the schedule coming up, and those of you guys who have stuck with us for a little bit might have noticed that we've had a little... a little. Uh, Quiet moment here. Mm -hmm. On the outside, it's quiet. On the inside,
1: (laughs) we are
2: furiously screaming. Yeah, furiously (laughs)
0: screaming on the inside.
1: I was going to say furiously working away. We have several call for arts that are coming this way. We've been doing lots of research, lots of planning. Um, So hopefully, Hopefully we'll be able to release all the ideas for the rest of the year.
0: Which is insane. And I, I feel like we always take like a tiny breather right around the holidays and try and gather all of our thoughts. Okay, so the other thing you guys should know is that during this time, we make our year-long plans to keep our business running, to yes. make sure that the lights stay on and to make sure that stuff happens. And I, I have to say thank you to everybody that's contributed to the Great Personality Donation page Um, or anybody that has purchased a tarot deck or a book or anything really ever. Um, Because, again, as we wait for our next show, um, we're working furiously here to try and make sure that all the programming for this upcoming year is super set. So Mm -hmm. lots of cool things coming up. And thanks, you guys, for um, also keeping us entertained. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, too, just in the community uh, that we're really proud of, that you guys are making, lots of cool stuff from Boss Rush is popping up. Um, we're going to be retumbling that and putting that on Facebook and all sorts of cool things. Where can people see these things, Chris?
2: Well, you could start by heading over to blog. Com, and you can stay up to date with all of the upcoming show announcements. Game night and artist interviews. You can also like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Light Gray Art Lab. You can follow us on Tumblr, LightGrayArtGallery.tumblr.com, and you can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, you guys, for listening to our amazing parallel between the life in tarot and the life as an artist. Um, I pat myself on the back for this. I'm also going to patch you guys as soon as I can reach you. So take a look at some work, interpret it however you want, and we'll talk with you soon. This looks like this guy has a giant nutsack. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's too bad. Why? <laughs> it's like this size, of this whole body. Yeah. I don't understand. C-cute. Why would somebody draw that like
0: that? I feel like that's the only thing that is happening in this one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This baby and this baby, no one knows which baby stops and which baby doesn't stop.
1: No. Are they holding the sun? Yes. Hmm. These are weird. Yeah, I know. I was also wondering about his deck. And I was like, said, what are these aliens doing you... here? <laughs> what are these aliens for? This is weird. Why is this guy smoking a blunt? Yep. No
0: one knows really why that's <laughs> I happening. Was like, why
1: is this hobo here?
0: Why is this hobo? <laughs> this is creepy.
1: Yeah, which card is that? Oh, death. I don't get it. He's got a vertebra for, uh, like a staff yeah and he's like going through the river sticks
0: with a clover and a green bone and an artist palette down there no why is it there and a wiener no that's too bad that was a bad choice why is it in there